0: Hi everyone, this is episode two of season five and I have Lynn Beatty, also known as Mrs. Mummy Penny with me today. Hi, Lynn. Hi, thank you for having me. It's lovely to have you with us. And today we are kicking off a Mental Health Awareness Week and we're going to be chatting about what it feels like to apply for insurance and the reasons why people apply for it. This is the Practical Protection Podcast. How are you doing, Lynn? We're now at the end of January. Have you fully recovered from sort of like getting back into work and everything this month?
1: Uh I think so. It's it's been quite a challenge to get back into sort of the the swing of things in January, I think. But um, yeah. By now, I'm I'm on track. I have clear plans for the year. Um, I have clear also personal finance plans for the year.
0: Brilliant. I know obviously we chat quite a bit on social media as well. And I think it's um it's been lovely chatting to you. And I know it just stopped like maybe it'll help some people, I don't know, um, who are listening. But one of the things that we before we get into the main It's like nitty gritty thing of everything is we put together a spreadsheet, didn't we? And just before Christmas, and I think that's been that was incredibly helpful for me with my mental health. And we did this thing where we had a column which was like, "What am I doing?" (laughs) In a sense, yeah, kind of like really open up questions to the universe, isn't it? And then a case of like, "Do I really need to be doing this?" You know, does it give me any kind of return? You know, whether or not that's financial, but then also as well, happiness wise, and and also can someone else be doing this for me? And I think. I I found that really powerful to do that when we we did that last month. So let's get into the thing that we're obviously here for, which is talking about mental health and insurance, you know, in a sense of you know, I know that money and financial security is, is obviously a huge focus for you, as rightly it should be, as it should be with anybody. And insurance is obviously a very key way of putting some protection in place for a number of different things. You know, I know that obviously you've got a family as well. So things like life insurance, income protection, really, really key things for you. Can you talk mm-hmm. us through the insurances that you have and in a sense, why you took them out? What was that kind of trigger point that was like, I need this?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, life insurance I have um, and income protection insurance I have, but very different journeys for both of them. So, with my life insurance, um, I knew from a pretty young age that um, I needed to have life insurance in place, basically because a dodgy advisor and an estate agent, when I bought my first house at the age of 25, said I had to have a life insurance policy in place to um, protect the mortgage. So it was, I didn't understand sort of what I was doing at the time. I was almost just forced into a decision, but we are talking like 20 years ago and obviously things are very different now. Um, It was a very different world then, but but still the life insurance, just the concept of it was important to me because um, my parents died when I was a teenager and there were huge repercussions of them dying at a young age, leaving well they left me as a teenager without you know any without much money um so it it was just one of those real oh I can't have I can't not have any life insurance because I know that I know that death is here because I think a lot of people think that they just don't want to think about death like it's never going to happen. of course it's like it's the only certainty in life we're all going to die. and when it's sort of forced upon you as a young age, it was just a really essential policy for me to have.
0: Absolutely. I was going to say it's you know we often talk about you know in terms of the, say the triggers and obviously from you it's a it's a lived bereavement that has obviously made you think, well actually i I really need this. this is something that you know I've lived through it in a sense probably not being there. And mm. how much you know it could have really helped in it and obviously as with anything like this when something like that happens and the movement happens you know money certainly doesn't solve or cure what is happening at that moment but it can make things more manageable and a bit sorry smoother and, and almost mm. not, I don't want to say easier I, I, I know it doesn't feel like there's any kind of right words as to explain how it can be helpful but I suppose that, that could be it. it it can be helpful
1: well, it, I think it's it's one, it's one less thing to worry about, isn't it? Because yeah. when you have a traumatic event happen, like somebody close to you dying, you need to be there to grieve that person who's died and, you know, have all the conversations with people about that person dying and sorting out the funeral and just processing it emotionally. You don't want to also have to be stressing about money. Yeah. So, um, yeah, having... That life insurance policy really really important for me. Um, but um, and I, I sort of took it out when I was 25 and I didn't really touch it for many years, um, because I didn't really understand what the product was. And this is what gets me about uh, life insurance. And I know we've talked about it a lot before, we talked about it on my podcast, but insurance products they are quite complicated to understand for like you know a a lay person yeah um and I have only got an appreciation for these kind of products you know since I've been doing like the job I've been doing um and and also um there's like financial stages isn't there where you almost need to uh, get in control of any sort of debts and stuff you might have. Um, and when you've paid off your debts, it's like the next stage is to sort of start building an emergency fund and then sort out your protection needs. Yeah. So there's, there's sort of these steps in your financial journey. So I think a lot of people haven't necessarily got to the point where they're assessing their sort of protection and insurance needs. Like, I don't know the stats of many people that don't have life insurance, for example, but I think there's quite a lot. <laughs>
0: I think there is definitely quite a lot. I mean, when we talk about it, there's always the famous sort of like phrase of the protection gap in a sense, you know, and and, and that is in. Incredibly high, you know, in terms of like the amount of people who are underinsured, and and I think one of the things that people, mm-hmm. you know, they do wonder, sorry, like, well, why aren't people engaging with insurance? You know, this is so important. You know, there's so many people who, you know, have families that would really struggle. They'd maybe end up losing their home if, the, yeah. the, if there wasn't that kind of insurance in place, and obviously if the main person who's bringing an income into the household unfortunately dies. But I mm-hmm. also think as well sometimes that with life insurance I'm sorry to hear that obviously you had that that advisor who said oh you must have this but even now we sometimes get that you know and I do hear people will say to me they'll come to me and they'll be panicking because obviously as as you know I tend to help people who have um sort of like a a situation or circumstances where they maybe would be struggling to get insurance and I step in and they'll come panicking sort of like saying well I've found my home but I can't get insurance and I'm going to lose my home and the the option I'm just like well why and I'll say because I've been told I have to have life insurance and then it comes back to that thing of saying you know as an advisor you know it's a case of like you don't it feels wrong to say you don't have to have life insurance as an advisor because you know it goes against everything in my being in a sense but it's like don't worry you can still get your dream home you really really should have this insurance yeah. but please you know but obviously it's a shame that that does still happen but obviously good advisors don't say that kind of thing and I'm, I'm hoping that the majority of them don't say that anymore mm-hmm. it's, it, it is rare that we hear it but it is something that can still happen but even that you know in a sense the mental health implication of that kind of a situation for somebody um mm. you know to, to sort of like have that where it is massively going to affect, you know, their life and, you know, sort of the way that they're feeling because they're being told, well, actually you can't have this dream that you have because yeah. it's not there.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you you mentioned protection gap, um, I have actually got a life protection gap still at the moment. I know we had this conversation like two or three months ago when I first told you about it, but I still do because um, so I've got a couple of life insurance policies that are linked to um, previous houses or or whatever that they've still got some years to play out. But I've only actually got about um, 210, 220 grand worth of life insurance. And my outstanding mortgage is about 100 grand more than that. So I, I know I have a gap, um, which I promise you it's on my to-do list to sort out, but I can't, I'm, I'm in the middle of that. I'm waiting for an ultrasound to be done on something that's being investigated. So I need to get the all clear from that before I can progress with the life insurance. So I'm stuck in this catch 22 situation. Yeah. I was going to say that's
0: that's a really tricky situation and I think you know as you say you know we're talking about here about people wanting to get insurance and we do have this in in something maybe even in your situation or or similar situation where they we have quite a lot of people that maybe come to us and they'll go I've just been diagnosed with this I need life insurance or I'm having this outstanding test I need life insurance and it's a really difficult conversation because obviously there is there's a huge mental health aspect to that because that's it there's been a trigger the health is massively affected and um, in terms of an advisor you know automatically in some ways you know an advisor needs to start thinking well actually do I have potentially someone here who's a bit vulnerable? And we've got this thing in the advice world where talking about vulnerability and it's something that I do some training on as well, where it's a case of sort of saying, well, we kind of trained and built into us, you know, in, in many ways from what's known as our compliance regulatory side of things, that the vulnerability comes down to certain financial aspects and age as well. There's a big thing about if someone reaches yes. a certain age, are they of sound mind, which which is quite insulting, um, you know, obviously to, to quite a lot of people. But there is this massive vulnerability as well about people who've maybe had something quite significant happen. They could have potentially just been divorced. Um, mm. they and then suddenly the partner's the one who's done all the finances and they suddenly think well hang on a minute where is everything and it might be that they can't in a sense get a hold of the insurances and and be involved in what it was there or it might be that they find out that actually they've not been had anything done for them they've and there's been like a control aspect and you know then we have other people who've maybe as I say got this kind of you know something's going on health-wise there could be something going on with children and um and there can certainly be lots of different things. I know as well, you said that you have the income protection side of things. So I mean, I suppose what was the, because income protection is something that we see in our industry that's we think, we feel is massively undersold. I mean, everything yeah. that we do in life is underpinned by money. And generally the, the resources that we're bringing in that income. So if someone's like massively involved in their pensions, if someone's got a mortgage, then, you know, it really really do need to have some kind of income protection because if the income goes then in a sense everything crumbles so so what was it for you that kind of you suddenly thought I yeah. need to get this
1: so um a very very clear process so um it never entered my mind to have it when I was employed never because I would have had um or oh, what's the word you know that death in service benefit so yeah so definitely served to the life insurance oh sorry that's life insurance so you'd have
0: had like enhanced sick pay or something maybe yeah
1: I had some sick pay um and I worked for big companies so the sick pay policies were pretty good so yeah I wasn't worried about it um but then I became self-employed in 2015 and so first few years of self-employment I would my earnings were like rubbish I was I made a loss for the first couple of years so it didn't even enter my mindset to take on income protection insurance because I couldn't afford it um I was also paying off debt um well I got into debt and then I paid off debt Uh, so it wasn't until um yeah I paid I paid off all the debt in 2019, my um, company had got to a point where it was earning sort of decent levels of, you know, turnover and profitability. And then I was like, okay, right, now I need to start actually protecting myself properly. And that's when, so I've had my income protection insurance, yeah, maybe for like three years actually. Um, And I've actually swapped the policy in that time um because another thing on my to-do list is to talk to you about what's in my current policy because uh, I think you had a few questions about it but um yeah I've, I've got a policy that covers me for like my essential expenses to be covered it kicks in after three months because I've got an emergency fund that will pay for stuff for three months um it has some so i've got sort of previous medical stuff, um and i've got some previous mental health stuff so there are a few exclusions in it um but it's a pretty good policy and i've got loads of those added extras which you've also told me about so i know i can access like counseling and all kinds of physiotherapy and stuff for free but um yeah so i'm pretty happy with the policy i've got but it, it was literally that logical process of now I can afford it, yeah. and now my business is making enough money to actually protect my income. Yeah, I think
0: that's a really good point, and I, I obviously we'll go into if it's okay with you a little bit more in terms of like the mental health side of things. But mm-hmm. something you've said that really stands out to me. So we have this thing kind of like in our industry where it is a case of you know people say. Well, people say income protection isn't affordable, but it is affordable. And obviously it depends upon the situation, people's age, you know, as you say, the different things in terms of what's known as a deferred period, how long a claim would pay for. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, um, there is this thing of a a co-host of mine often says, "Why McLaughlin, you know, that obviously quite a lot of income protection policies are, it costs about a pound a day to be able to have it, which is obviously brilliant. Um, But one thing that I kind of like, like to be very clear of as well is that yes income protection can be you know potentially affordable and there is sometimes this line of sort of like is it affordable to somebody and they just don't really see the worth of it. Um, mm-hmm. Or is it something that you know we would maybe, or as an advisor or somebody externally, we, like somebody might have looked at what you were going through, Lynn and gone, you know what, you can afford thirty pound a month, but I suppose in terms of like what you were saying, you, you couldn't afford. It. I mean, from a mental health point of view as well, sort of, if you are kind of really towing the line in terms of finances, and it's a case of, well, actually, I could protect my income for thirty pound a month, but maybe that thirty pound a month means that you know i don't know it i'm trying to think of something you know for some people it could be well it means that i've got my mobile phone which actually is really important to me it means i can social with people that is really going to benefit my mental health or it could be that you know instead of having to really kind of ration your food you're actually able to once a week get yourself something i don't know a couple of nights a week get yourself something really nice that you're going to really enjoy that's just going to make you feel so satisfied and i think we sometimes don't necessarily as advisors or as an industry um sometimes i I think there's a isn't it there's sometimes it's that thing of like we need to obviously really hit home with the importance of this but we also need to take into account the mental health aspect that for some people 30 pound a month is that's 30 pound a month for some people and you know that's you can't kind of assume that 30 pound is actually affordable for everyone
1: and it's 30 pounds a month on something that you're probably not going to have to access so that's that's what I that's what I've always struggled with in my head, with insurance as a whole. I mean, car insurance, right? Like, you have to have that because yeah. I mean, I've I've had a car crash in the last year, so it's very essential that I've had it. Um, and But, like, I've had, say, dishwasher insurance in the past, which I've cancelled. That is a... That's a bit of a pointless insurance to me. Holiday insurance is another interesting one. Like I I always have holiday insurance, but I know so many people that don't bother with it. That terrifies me. Absolutely terrifies
0: me. I could not go abroad without insurance.
1: (laughs) With the the income protection insurance, it was, yeah, there was an initial fear with um, how much I thought it would cost because... Um, Go back to um, understanding of insurance policies. I was always quite confused between the difference of... critical illness insurance versus life insurance versus income protection insurance it's 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 messy right it's really messy so it was it was and I'd got into my head somebody had done me a quote for critical illness insurance when I was in my 20s and it was a lot of money it was like um, 90 100 quid a month or something Mm -hmm. so that then stuck in my head and I think this is the thing with money there can be one trigger event that happens in your younger um years informative or not which then sort of colors the rest of your life so I was always sort of imprinted with this view of this this income protection or critical illness whatever it is um it's going to cost me loads of money and to be honest like if if income protection insurance was a hundred pounds a month to me now I probably wouldn't do it because I'm not spending a hundred pounds a month on um an insurance policy but as it as it stands my income protection is um it's just gone up, which is annoying. It's gone from like 34 a month to 36 a month. Yeah. Um, but but um and, and actually my deferment um so I, it doesn't kick in till three months. I could probably kick that out to six months to save yeah. a bit of money. And and this is actually where a qualified advisor comes in. You've already given me these ideas of how I can reduce my um income protection insurance down. But um, I just see it as a hugely Because I can afford it, I see it as a hugely reassuring thing that just whatever happens, whatever happens to me with my health, my income is sorted and I will keep this house that surrounds me and I'll I'll be fine. So it's from a a positive mental health aspect, it's it's huge, Um, but you can only do it when you can afford it. So it's a real quandary.
0: It's a huge as you said, a huge, huge piece of mind. And But there is that thing of, you know, sort of, well, it is a piece of paper, if that's a lot of it's electronic now. It's a file on your computer somewhere that we all hope nobody's ever going to need to claim on. Well, obviously, if it is there and, you know, obviously, if there is a claim, obviously, we, so we really hope it's not the case, but it is incredibly useful um, if they are there. But, you know, I think something as well that you were saying as well as, you know, in terms of all these added extras, you know, a lot of the time now, it, people obviously, we always think and, And it is, you know, we think of an insurance as the end result, the claim, you know, which is obviously that is what it's there for. Um, It is the key thing. I know Tom Bay agrees. I've, I've forgotten the exact phrase he uses, but, you know, it is basically it's saying this is it. You know, the insurance is all about the claim. That's, you know, we need to have that perfect. Um, And a lot of insurers now over the last couple of years have been starting to add these extras that you were mentioning, like the the potentially the counselling, the mental health Mm. support, but they're so brand new. And I think it's still, you know, we're not in that kind of thing where people are seeing it as kind of normal that they can access something Mm. just randomly still that can be really, really useful for them. And, you know, it could well be a case of you know, when we're chatting about things, you know, somebody, it could be that there's a couple and one of the couple has an insurance and there's someone else who's wanting to get insurance, but they may be feeling a little bit apprehensive or they're just wanting to chat to somebody. And it could be that they can potentially even access the mental health support through their partner's insurance just to kind of put their mind at ease, make this kind of initial journey, like you said, that's so much easier because it does take quite a lot to kind of step forward. And want the insurance. And and I do think, you know, there's there's no hiding that we do have some very negative stories that go out in the media about what it's been like for people applying for insurance. And, you know, some of us have experienced it. I didn't have a particularly nice experience when I first went for insurance Mm -hmm. and it was due to Mm -hmm. due to mental health. Mm-hmm. and you know I think that can really obviously it can put people off but you know there's been so mm-hmm. many improvements you know in the last decade or so when I first it's scary to think I went for my first insurance is a decade ago but you know obviously a decade ago I did and um and it has made such incredible um changes um I know that you had a really good experience obviously when you were going through like your most recent ones as you you know you said you know in terms of when you did like a bit of a top-up in terms of life insurance Mm -hmm. when you got your income protection and you know it's you were. I'm sure you said to me you felt really supported obviously you did Mm -hmm. need to discuss your mental health I mean what was it like having to because that's something that really I think worries people so I thinking I'm gonna have to in a sense relive everything or I'm gonna have to say it to 10 People before I even get anywhere, or they'll just turn me away straight away. So, so what was it actually like for you going through the process?
1: Yeah, um, I, I didn't have to have lots of conversations. Um, I think, well, I've I've had a. It's been interesting because of this, um, because of this gap I've got in my life insurance. So um, income protection insurance was all fine to sort out. So there was a conversation that happened about that. And yeah, you have to go into detail about, it. actually, it wasn't that much detail about sort of mental health stuff. Um, because I've I've had quite a bit of therapy over the years. And about 15 years ago, I was diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder. Um, nothing really more than that. But you just have to be open and honest and talk about it, which... I mean, I see no shame in talking about these kind of things. Um, I think probably every single person in this country has got something that's happened in their life that they could do with a bit of therapy to deal with. So it's just that we're maybe the braver ones who have actually sought out the help. But um, yeah, talk about them. And its I've always been really quite open and honest about all the sort of medical stuff to do with my family anyway, but potentially that's traumatic to talk about like I, I know I mean I've spoken to you about this quite a bit anyway sort of one-to-one but um I've got quite a lot of like heart conditions in my family now so I know that I'm going to have to sort of talk to my next when I have my next life insurance conversation you know to bridge that gap I've got I'm going to have to now say my mum and dad died of heart attacks now my sister has had a heart attack now my brother has had a heart attack and, and I'm the only other person left and I am a lot younger than everybody else but um and I have had everything checked um but it, I know that that's going to be quite a difficult conversation because I've just got this fear then that because of all those issues that it, it could end up with life insurance being rejected but then I also know that I could speak to you and you'd probably find me an in insurance who could help me out
0: absolutely absolutely and I think you know but it's I'm quite a
1: difficult case now because there's you know as we get older yeah you've got you've got your medical and your physical and your mental health conditions do yourself but also everyone around you because that also impacts on the policies doesn't
0: it it does yeah so if you have like it's it's always your immediate um I always say immediate blood relatives and it's you know it's parents and siblings so it's not cousins it's not aunties uncles mm-hmm. grandparents it's just that immediate set of people before a certain age usually the age of 65 there are certain things that the insurance would ask about and some of them you know if it's a yes you know it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to massively affect things sometimes it it can influence the pricing or or sometimes what's covered in some of the policies if you were maybe talking possibly more like a critical illness side of things so you know i think another thing you're saying about about being completely open and honest and and i think what a lot of people don't necessarily realize is that when you go for insurance if you are going to be disclosing anxiety stress depression and these are something that uh in a sense, quite mild, you know, there are certain aspects of somebody's mental health that will make an insurer look a little bit more at the application. And that's not to say that they're going to look at it and necessarily say no. There are, there are some times that insurers will say no, but that doesn't mean all insurers. But things like anxiety, stress, depression, if you're talking life insurance, critical illness cover, you know, even if you're taking medications, even if you're going to talking therapies, a lot of insurers now see that that's kind of part and parcel of life. And that's a, that's a really, you know, it's positive to be active and proactive about your mental health. And they do take that on board. It does become a little bit trickier when you talk about things like income protection, because sort of like the two of the main areas that, um, are for income protection that there are claims on are mental health and um, things like back pain so it is one of those things with income protection where quite often if you've had something in the past then or if it's something you're living with now it can be that the quite a lot of insurers will put an exclusion on for that situation and um, I think with anything and it's something that we always do obviously for myself as an advisor I just try and obviously be as honest and open at the start and it'll be a case if I say to people well I get a mixture of feelings when people say you know I say to someone look there's possibly going to be a mental health exclusion and I get a mixture of people saying well I don't want that because what happens if I can't work due to my mental health and then you get the other half of the people saying well it's never stopped me working so fast so I don't mind that And, you know, I think it's really important just to with anybody who's potentially listening is is just always to sort of like just find out first before sort of like making any assumptions as to what you can or can't have. There's no hardship in asking, you know, and especially if you are speaking to an advisor. A lot of the time, advisors will do a lot of this work for you without, in a sense. Putting anything in place, saying, or you have to pay us this amount of money." It depends upon what type of advisor you go to, obviously. And um, mm. a lot of the time, you can get some really, really good indications without having to actually, in a sense, put anything else in other than your time. And, mm. and obviously, the as well the emotional time of potentially discussing some of these things as well. Mm. Um, but I think that's that's really good. And I think as well, it would be good to just sort of like you know, I think we touched upon it a little bit before, then. But just as we're coming to the end of the podcast, to sort of say. What does it mean to you, potentially? How do you think, in your, in terms of your mental health? What does it mean to you to know that if something happens to you, in a sense, your house is paid off, your kids have the house, that's it. And if something happens to you, and you can't work, it's fine. The money's still coming in.
1: Yeah, it's um, it it means so much more as a self-employed person because everything's on everything's on me. Literally everything is on me. I'm a single mum. I've got a big mortgage. I run my own business. Got three kids um, and a cat, a dog, um, and um, it's it's a huge amount of responsibility when it's when it's um, when it's just what me. I'm sure it's just also a huge responsibility for you with with a partner. But I feel quite a lot of weight on my shoulders and. I need things in my life that give me reassurance and protect me. Um, and I don't have like that much in reality. Like I don't have a, a magic person who can give me a load of money. It, it's, it's all on me. So I have to have these kind of policies because it, it means that, you know, if if something happens and we can't say that it's never going to happen because I know it's happened. Like my mum died when she was 58. Um, my dad died when he was 63. We know plenty of people who have got ill with all kinds of diseases. So um, particularly, you know, by the time we get into our forties. So um, yeah, I just feel hugely reassured and I would never, like, I wouldn't, I would just, wouldn't be without them as products. Um, I just, I just wouldn't. And I suppose, the sort of next point I'm getting to as as my income goes up is do I need like health insurance because that's the next thing I'm moving to in the sort of journey of insurances but actually I've had an incredibly positive experience with the NHS over the past like three years despite everything you know that's happening with COVID and um uh, yeah I've had to wait for certain treatments and scans and operations or whatever but I've eventually got them and um i'm I'm happy so I'm not sure health insurance is something I maybe need and also I think that's I've got another thing in my head I think health insurance is very expensive, but that might not actually be true. <laughs>
0: I think it depends. It depends as with anything with insurance. And that's probably a good thing to sort of like go that's towards actually the end. a really
1: good point.
0: Yeah, it always, it depends, you know, if, you know, if you take out insurance in your 20s, then it's going to be cheaper than if you take it out in your 50s, you know. And if you have, yeah. you know, certain situations in terms of health or different things, it's not just health, it's potentially, you know, if you're somebody who likes to do skydiving quite regularly, that might affect things a little bit. And, you know, there's there's so many different aspects of it. And obviously yeah. as well, if you're a smoker as well, that, you know, massively affects the premiums um and it's one of those things you know it's it's just the case of like i was saying before i think you know just there's there's no hardship in having a look and seeing what the price is and you know and, and obviously just um And as well, it can be, you can, people can do it themselves, you know, later. Well, tomorrow I'm going to be chatting to some people and we're going to talk about the different routes to getting insurance we're talking with an advised firm. So I'm I'm an advised myself. So that's a route that I'm very familiar with. We'll be talking to somebody from what's known as a non-advised firm and somebody from a well-known comparison site as well to just explain those different routes and also how each of Mm -hmm. those routes can be really supportive for people with mental health conditions Mm -hmm. and And I think some people, especially when you come from your own area, you can think, oh, well, my area is best and my way of doing this is best. But ultimately, no matter what, with something like this, we don't know everybody and what they've been through and how their mental health affects them. You know, someone with anxiety is not the same as someone else with anxiety. And there is. it's so important to just make sure that we have these so many different areas that people can try and just do what feels right for them to get that first kind of foot in the door, the first kind of like, have a look at things and just make sure that everything's right for them.
1: Yeah. And I just think like, don't, don't close yourself off to it, be open to it because it is it is fundamentally a reassuring product to have. It's just there to make life easier if if horrible things happen. So yeah. Thank
0: you, Lynn. Thank you well, so much yeah. for coming and talking about this. I know that you are so busy. As you said, you've got your own podcast. I know that you're promoting your book quite a bit at the moment as well. And that's all been coming out. And um, I don't
1: know if you want to share the title of that at the moment for people. that are listening. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've actually sold quite a lot of copies of it over like December, January. It's been really exciting. Um, so the um, Money Guide to Transform Your Life. Um, it's been out for about a year but um, I did an amazing podcast season which Catherine came on to um, episode 10 um, sort of the tail end of last year and um, I sort of celebrated a chapter each chapter of my book with I basically chose the best experts in the financial field to come on to each podcast episode so I had people like Pete Matthew who came on to talk about like savings and investments Catherine came on to talk about protection um Romy Savova came on to talk about pensions and it was um I mean those are the long-term ones but also it covers a lot of short-term stuff so like family finances budgeting debt so it's a great book it's 10 quid buy it
0: <laughs> brilliant absolutely love it and I was going to say as well I think what's important with that because again you know I was chatting to somebody today and he's I mean he's, he's older than me he was someone that I, I'm friends with and he was saying it's like oh I guess I've probably got about another 16 years worth of Pension going into it, but I've not done anything with this at all. And it's, and it was, his pension was actually frozen ages ago. And, um, and I was sort of thinking that's so important because eventually, as well, the knock on financial and then eventual mental health side of things that'll come from that is so important. It's, it's just so interconnected. And I think it's, it's hard. And, um, and I'm going to be one of those people, I'm sure some people disagree, but I'm one of those people that thinks we do need to educate people at such much younger age than we are. But like, to be honest, I don't think I actually, in any part of my education, got any kind of like anything about why a pension was important yeah. or why insurance could be important or anything like that and um and yeah. it is something that we really need to because it is about setting ourselves up for life financially and I think pretty sure that financial stress is one of the biggest causes of, of mental health problems and there are so many things that we can do to
1: protect ourselves hugely like the the suicide rates in this country from financial issues are scary and Um, I fear for what's going to happen over the next few months and in 2022 you know with with all the the bills that are going up and the credit card bills that people will have now got from Christmas and are are worried about it's it's really worrying times mental health wise and there's not enough funding in this country to support it so yeah absolutely no I completely agree you're doing this podcast
0: Thank you. Well, thank you so much for obviously for for coming on and thank you for listening. Um, Tomorrow I'm going to be back with Phil Jaynes from Reassured, Alan Knowles from CURE Financial Services and Neil Cross from Money Supermarket. And we're going to be talking about those different routes to insurance. And if you would like a reminder of the the podcast, obviously I'm hoping you're going to stay with us this week, but going forward, just um, drop me a message on social media or visit the website practical-protection.co.uk and with every episode of the podcast that you are listening to and um, please go onto the website to be able to claim a CPD certificate too thanks to our sponsors that are the OCTO members so thank you so much Lynn
1: thank you for having me it's been great to talk to you, Love to
0: speak you too. bye, bye.